When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Eric Fisher here with a bonus episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This is an appearance I made on the Simplify podcast, a show produced by Blinkist. I wanted to share this with you because it's a really cool episode, and I've been partnering with Blinkist lately for shortcasts of Beyond the To-Do List. Those are short versions of Beyond the To-Do List that are 7 to 10 minutes that you can find in the Blinkist app, and you can get a 14-day free trial to access that by going to Blinkist.com friends and entering the code BEYOND or clicking the link in the show notes. And what's cool is that'll give you 14 days to check out and listen to as many of those as you want to and check out everything else also, shortcasts, regular Blinks. And again, you can find that at Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash friends, and then use the promo code beyond. So back to this episode. This is a bonus episode. It's from Blinkist. I appeared on their show called Simplify. We essentially talk about what are some of the most important productivity principles that I have studied in the past almost 10 years of doing this podcast. So I thought this would be a really cool bonus episode, and they were generous enough to let me release this in in the Beyond the To-Do List feed. So I'll just get out of the way and say enjoy this episode from the Simplify podcast from Blinkist. Welcome to Simplify. I'm Caitlin Schiller. And I'm Benjamin Soller. Hi, Ben. Hello. How's it going? It's going okay. Pretty good, actually. Having a nice morning. So, today's episode is somewhat special. It's different from other Simplify episodes that we've heard. Today's guest is a shortcast host. He's also an author of a book, but he makes a shortcast with Blinkist. And I guess we should explain what shortcasts are, really. Yeah. If you haven't heard of shortcasts yet, if you don't subscribe to Blinkist, here's the deal. It is a brand new kind of audio that we made at Blinkist. It is a shortened version of a podcast episode crafted around that episode's key ideas. But what's really special about it, it's not just like a condensation of a podcast episode. We actually make these with the shortcast hosts. Yeah, we have the host saying, hey, you know what? This is what I love about the episode. I mean, we're talking about Eric Fisher today. He's got hundreds and hundreds of podcast episodes of Beyond the To-Do List. It's an amazing podcast. Yeah, he's been doing this podcast for 10 years. Right. But it's unlikely that any of us are going to go and listen to 10 years worth of his episodes. True. So the idea to say, hey, look, go into the Blinkist app and you'll hear from Eric himself saying, hey, I love this episode with Michael Hyatt. I love this episode with John Acuff. I love this episode with James Clear. And this is why. And let's pull out the little bits that have stayed with me over all these years so that you can try them out. Yeah. And as Ben said, Eric Fisher has talked to people like Michael Hyatt and James Clear. Eric is the productivity dude. Today, what I talked with Eric Fisher about is, well, it's the idea of productivity, the things that he's learned that have really changed his routine, that have really been helpful to him to to just be able to bring into the world the things that he really wants to. And for Eric, it's all about self-awareness and self-knowledge because there's so much advice out there, but you can only really figure out what's right for you. And this made me think, Ben, of our very, well, our very second episode of Simplify with Gretchen Rubin, whose whole deal was, you do you. You figure out what it is that you are passionate about, what you care about, what works for you, and then you do that. And Eric kind of has that same idea, but coming from a productivity angle. 
Okay, so should we just roll the tape? I mean, that sounds promising. Let's just get into it. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. But remember that uh, we'll be back after my talk with Eric, and we will recap the interview a little bit, share some reading tips on this topic. And um, yeah, that's it. Let's go. See you in the bookend. Eric Fisher, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Though you and I know each other, (laughs) the way that I always like to start, simplify, is I like to say, could you introduce yourself the way that you like to be introduced? Because I find that people have various different ways of doing that. Yeah. Okay. My name's Eric Fisher. I am the host and producer of the long-running productivity podcast, Beyond the To-Do List. It's going on 10 years next year. Oh my God, 10 years. Yes. I, I somehow didn't realize that, despite the fact that we are yeah. shortcasting your show together. I did not. Wow. 10 years. Eric. Okay. It's pretty early in the morning for you there. It's 3 p.m. for me here in Berlin. You are, I think, in Indiana. Yeah? That's correct. Right. So it's like 9 a.m. for you there. Can you tell me what is the morning of a productivity expert? And I would call you a productivity expert at this point, such as yourself look like. Is there anything in your morning routine that you factored in that you've learned over the years? Yes. I have factored in that it's easiest and best for me that if I'm going to do a workout, I pretty much need to do it first thing or it's me feeling guilty the rest of the day about not doing it and thinking about when I can fit it in and then being anxious about not fitting it in. And so it is pretty much the first thing I do. And I cheat. I go ahead and I sit on the recumbent bike and I watch TV while I do it. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a great way to do it, though. Look, whatever makes it happen. I'm the same, though. If I don't do it first thing when I wake up in the morning, it's not going to happen. There are too many opportunities for it to be bumped down the list of priorities, right? Exactly. And and here's the thing. Yesterday, I also went and took the dog for a walk because that was bonus. But that's what I consider it. I consider that to be bonus. And that is actually one of the, the key productivity things. Things come in seasons. And so once it's warm enough out, I kind of like to get outside and maybe walk outside or, you know, do something different and shake it up. Yeah, I had actually never thought about that, how productivity comes in seasons. But it's so true. I'm way more likely to do Actually, just more in general when there's more light in the sky and it's summertime. Of course, that makes sense. Well, it, I mean, it's literally the farming type seasons where, you know, there are seasons where you plant, there are seasons where you water, there are seasons where you harvest, and then there are seasons when you do nothing with that ground whatsoever. And I've come to find out that I don't like doing as much activity during those seasons, specifically, you know, late fall into right about time when spring kicks in, where there's just not a lot of light and I'm struggling just to feel awake enough most of the time, you know, seasonal affective disorder. It's a real thing. There's lots of people who are like, yeah, let's cross the finish line of this year. And I'm like, my finish line really needed to be back around before Thanksgiving here in the States. (laughs) (laughs) Know thyself, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing is then you let yourself off the hook. You can go through the season guiltless about you know, taking more time, sleeping in even. It's it's, it's that modification of that start up and shut down and, and morning and evening routines. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So Eric, you have been doing this show for 10 years. And I've observed just in the seven years that I've worked at Blinkist that what we saw, you know, three years, five years, seven years, and I can imagine 10 years ago, in terms of what productivity meant and what people assumed you had to do to be productive was really more like squeeze blood from the stone at all costs. You were a machine. 
and it's not really the same today. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about any patterns or trends that you've seen in productivity and how it's changed over those 10 years. Yeah, for sure. And it definitely has. Uh, again, I've been in production mode for the short cast, looking over old episodes and kind of sensing the different seasons the show has had over time. And even from the beginning, I just was all about, no, we're not about hustle in terms of a constant state of frenetic energy that you're trying to desperately maintain and overwork yourself to death and burn out. That's just not feasible. And I think that's still something, by the way, that a lot of people, even now, when they think productivity, that's what they think of. And if, if there's one mission that I've had over time is to continually, consistently, periodically have people come on the show and shoot that down and say, no, that is the wrong way to go about it. Instead, it's not just about time management and efficiency and focus, although those are all good things, and I always like to revisit those. It's about this seasons thing. It's about priorities. It's about doing less work often, mm. but that what you choose to do, you do that well. And it's even dealing with unexpected changes and building self-awareness and dealing with internal and external distractions. In other words, it's a more holistic approach, I guess, that I try to attempt to have when it comes to productivity. Yeah. And I've actually really, really noticed that. And it's almost prescient that you decided that that is the approach you're going to take. Why? How did you come to that? Because I don't know that it would have been really obvious to most people 10 years ago. Well, I think the thing for me is I have always struggled, though unaware of it for a long time, I've always struggled with ADHD. And so for me, productivity was a means to an end. You know, my focus can flit around, and this is before smartphones and technology mm -hmm. being as prevalent but I had read David Allen's Getting Things Done, and I was starting to become aware of that whole, like, it's about getting done the commitments that I've already made to day job, side hustle, relationships, home life, all of that, and then being definitely intentional and strategic about building on top of that, doing a little bit more to, quote, get ahead a little bit more, build something, if you will. Mm. So coming from that angle, it was about, OK, I want to do what I need to do as efficiently and effectively as possible and then have a hard stop so that I can rest and not burn out. You know, it's kind of like the Indy 500 cars where they make pit stops to refresh, mm. you know. It's that kind of a mentality of you did a lap for today or you did multiple laps in and of this day and now this day is done. It's not pushing it to I mean, because, you know, if you're doing a nine or 10 hour day, you're not really getting nine or 10 hours of work out of yourself or somebody else. You know, you're getting effectively most likely five to six at most. And, and even in an eight hour day, you're not getting eight hours of work. Right. So. To all that to say, I was very aware of my limitations because of my ADHD, that that was the perspective I brought in from the get-go. Wow, that is really cool. I love to hear how people's personal circumstances have shaped their projects. I heard this great quote the other day. I think it was actually on an episode of Armchair Expert. And one of them said, well, all research is me-search. And as you mm. research things, you're just trying to figure out ways to solve your own problems, right? And it sounds like this project is really born of you trying to figure out not ways to solve your own problem necessarily, but ways to, to optimize your life, which is so cool. 
So then over the last 10 years, you have talked to so many productivity experts that you must have encountered some contradictory advice sometimes. And and there's so much advice out there. First of all, have you encountered contradictory advice that's confused you? And if so, how do you make a decision about what the right advice is? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, here's the thing. It's all contradictory in some way because, <laughs> I mean, I do hold that there are certain productivity principles, like we all need rest, but we all do things different. In other words, some of us are morning people. Some of us are evening people. Some people need less structure. Others need more. Some people, first thing in the morning, they do the whole uh, Brian Tracy, eat the frog, which is the quote Mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. Mark Twain, whereas, you know, if your job is to eat a frog, eat that frog first thing. So then everything else seems easier the rest of the day. That's a paraphrase. But That's the point. Some people eating the frog very first thing, like me, you know, doing the workout first thing, that is exactly right. For for other people, working out first thing is not best for them. Mm. It's best for them to do it later because their body has warmed up and is in a better place and they've gotten other things done. For me, I've had to decide in my situation that it's a yes or no that it's going to happen. And the only way the yes happens is by doing it first thing. So when I hear somewhat contradictory advice, in fact, I love kind of throwing this back at other people. I'll say, hey, well, no, I've heard this before. What do you think about this? And to get a different perspective, that's what it is. Really, it's different approaches and everybody has a different approach. Although I think there are, again, some solid, consistent things like we all need enough sleep, whatever that means for you is going to be different based on you. Right, exactly. You know, I wanted to loop back for a second to something that you talked about before. Can we just normalize the fact that an eight-hour workday does not mean that you're working for eight hours? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. I I mean, I, I was recently talking with somebody, and during the pandemic, their whole company switched to a six-hour workday. Wow. And that was the experiment they were going to try. And not only was it successful in terms of morale for the company and getting things done, they they ended up that year of 2020 increasing their revenue by 50% over the previous year. Wow. And what what do they do they imagine just the switch to a 6-hour workday accounts for that? Well, to a certain point, yes, I believe so, because it's the law of, you know, work expands to fill the time allotted for it. I mean, I've I've experienced this. I was a cubicle worker for a long time. Was I sitting in that cubicle for eight hours getting eight hours of work done? No. And so if I had the ability to either come in later or take a longer lunch or leave earlier or some fashioned flexible schedule of, of all of that above, I think that then I'm going to feel better about my job. I'm going to have more energy because, again, think about this. What are you really doing at two or three o'clock in the afternoon after lunch sitting at a desk and trying to stay awake? You know, I mean, you're not getting anything done. You might push some admin stuff around, but you're just not doing as much. So if you can come in and say, okay, these are the three things I need to do today. And here's my three focused time blocks for that, you know, time block one and two before lunch, and then time block three post lunch, and then I'm done for the day, you're much more laser focused and you're just going to get that stuff done versus, oh no, I've got till five. 
and then it kind of doesn't get done. Yeah. I love the idea of sectioning your work into time blocks. And I think it's so smart because if you're only shooting for three time blocks rather than eight hours, you understand that you can only get so much done in that time and it kind of frees you up mentally as well. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is we constantly think of work as this nebulous ongoing list. And instead, by compressing it down and working something to either completion in and of itself or completion of that one piece of it that, you know, you know, you've estimated it's going to take an hour, hour and a half, two hours tops or something. And that's even if that's not the totality of that project, but it's a completed piece of that project, working things through to a finishing line is so much more rewarding and more motivating than, OK, I worked on that for a while. It's not done. I'll come back to it. I don't know when later today in the afternoon, tomorrow, I'm not sure yet. And then when you get into that whole vagueness, you start to just spin out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Speaking of spinning out, do you still ever get stressed out about your own productivity? Oh, God, daily. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so what do you do about it? How do you deal with that? So here's the thing. Confession time. Like, again, things change for me constantly. And that's why I've got to maintain some sort of flexible focus. So, for example, there is a work project that uh, yesterday my piece was done, I thought, and I had sent it off to somebody else. Well, come to find out, no, actually, it needs to be slightly redone again this morning. Well, that is not something I was planning on. So I had to then triage my focus for the day and change things around a bit. But luckily, I've got built into my calendar a couple of different places where I've blocked it off and it's basically admin time. And I can say, well, that meeting that I've put on the calendar for me, with me to do my stuff, I can claim that back and then use it for something else. And so, again, it's also about like, okay, if you aim for six hours, but you happen to actually start to need eight or more, um, as long as it's the exception and not the rule, cool. We'll let that slide, you know? And again, also seasons, there are seasons where, oh, this big important project is going to be need to be done by the end of this quarter and it's sneaking up on you and you're getting near the end of the quarter and yeah. it's like, oh, you know what? I need to start blocking out more time for this project and what else can I clear off the deck? In other words, what what meetings aren't necessary? So if, if there's anything I can stress about stress when it comes to productivity is one taking stock of how stressed I am and kind of being aware of it to doing a brain dump and a check in on the quarter and seeing, okay, where are things at right now? And then starting to clear the deck again to make it to the end. Yeah, right. So taking stock of it, then getting everything out on paper, really, or or a word processor, I guess, to see what's there. That actually makes me think of David Allen a lot to do that brain dump to figure out what there actually is to be tackled. Because unless you have a list of all the things that are floating around in your head, they can start to just stress you out by their mere presence. If you have them somewhere else in a receptacle that is not your brain, it can feel a lot more manageable. Yeah, I definitely got that from David. And uh, it's been one of the biggest principles for me is one to try to do a weekly brain dump and even like a monthly kind of check-in there as well. But also to just say, oh, you know what? I am a bit more stressed out today. What's going on? Is it that I've got too many things going on in my head? Because mm. if you're sitting there and every 
two, three, five, ten minutes, another thought pops up about some other thing that's either home related or it could be work related, but it's unrelated to the thing you're supposed to be doing right then and there then you are slowing yourself down. And so this is where meditation comes in, where it's like I'm focusing my attention on my breath or my work in this case. Mm. Oh, a thought comes up. Well, what I'm going to do is acknowledge the thought and then push it back away and bring my attention back to my work. That's great. Actually, I think I remember hearing that on a shortcast episode of yours. And speaking of that, there was this episode with Nir Eyal. I believe it was Nir Eyal. Yes. He talked about how procrastination is not really about not wanting to do the work. It's about wanting to avoid pain. And it blew my mind that everything humans do is about avoiding pain. And if you can get yourself to have a little bit more of a stomach for dealing with pain, you can get a lot more done. Is that right? Am I getting the episode right? That's exactly it. Yes. His name is Nir Eyal. And the book he came out with, which has been indispensable, is called Indistractable. So it's not undistractable. It's indistractable. And it, it's about having traction on your ideas by actually getting things done. But yeah, great episode. And again, getting a bigger stomach for pain, realizing that, wait a second, well, would I rather feel the constant intermittent pain of that thought or feeling coming up over and over and over again? Or can I just be proactive about dealing with that short-term pain of dealing with whatever it is and getting it, if not out of my life completely, at least out of my current purview for the day? Yeah, that makes sense. Hi, this is a quick break to let you know that one of the people that we talk about a lot in this interview, David Allen, is actually somebody that I interviewed on Simplify in season one, episode three, early long time ago, but it was a great talk. It was from his home in Amsterdam. You'll love it. So you could listen to my talk with David Allen wherever you listen to your podcasts in that full 40 minute version, or you can get the short version, the short cast, haha, um, in the Blinkist app. By taking out the key ideas and transforming them into powerful little capsules of text and audio, Blinkist gives you a sneak peek into a whole world of great nonfiction books like David Allen's, but also podcasts like Eric's Beyond the To-Do List and Simplify, which is how you would get to hear the David Allen interview in only seven minutes. As with most things, it's really a lot better if you can just try it out for yourself. So go to Blinkist.com slash Simplify, click Try Blinkist in the top right-hand corner, and try for 14 days for free by entering the code To-Do List. T-O-D-O-L-I-S-T. All one word, no spaces. That's Blinkist.com slash Simplify. Use the code to-do list. And yeah, you're good to go. Hope you love it. And I guess that's it. Back to my talk with Eric. So Eric, I also wanted to ask you if there's something that, that really surprised you that you've learned from some of the people you've talked to or the books you've read. And not just surprised you because it was weird, but surprised you because you tried it and it worked. I think the biggest thing <laughs> is um, I learned this from Michael Hyatt a couple of years ago now, and I've become a huge proponent of one specific practice that he is a stickler for, and it's naps. Oh. And I, I never, I, I could never take a nap before, but I have found that it's not about getting sleep per se. It's about getting that quick recharge of even 20 to 30 minutes, 45 about at the most, because then you don't fall into the deeper sleep cycle levels where you start to come out of it groggy. 
And I think it was Daniel Pink when he was talking about napping. He does something called a nappuccino where he'll down like a shot of espresso (laughs) and then take 20 minutes because it takes about 20 minutes for caffeine to hit your bloodstream. So it's like if you take a shot of espresso, lay down and set a timer. If you then get woken up and you're not groggy and you've had a 20 to 30 minute cycle of sleep that's short and the caffeine has hit your bloodstream and you're awake and you're back at it. Like I have found huge effectiveness in that. I actually was thinking about that. As soon as you said naps, I thought, I wonder if he knows about the nappuccino. And of course you do. Mm. I've also used it and it's amazingly effective. Cool. So Eric, I got to ask, what is the thing that you've learned in conversation with, with all these great productivity experts that you wish you could share with everyone you meet? If it were just one thing, what would you tell them? Oh, that's a great question. I think for me, ultimately, it's it's about giving yourself grace, giving yourself slack. You will always potentially want to get more done than you can. And so, again, it's almost just like that whole, you know, hey, pick the three things for the day. And if you do those, you're much better set. You're going to feel more rewarded. You know, I, I can go about it the wrong way even with leisure time and say, over this weekend, I'm going to get so much rest. I'm going to take two hour naps on both days. I'm going to go out biking. I'm going to play this game. We're going to go here. I mean, I know it's funny to hear someone say, lower your expectations for yourself. But (laughs) by doing that, but being then very specific about what you do with those lower expectations, you're going to check those things off. I know it's coming back to a to-do list, but you're going to be able to check those things off and feel rewarded. And in fact, you'll get a burst of energy and a burst of momentum to maybe do more. But then that's all gravy. It's kind of like I said earlier, first thing, workout in the morning. Cool. Done. If I do another thing later, like walking the dog, it's all bonus and it's good for me still. But like, I'm not counting on that being the thing that happens. John Acuff, he's uh, one of my favorite authors and him talking about hitting your goals, some of the ways that we choose our goals. The concept is essentially, hey, if you're planning on wanting to lose 10 pounds, go for five instead. Hmm. And I know there's people out there that do planning like this where they're like, no, shoot for the moon. You know, say you're going to lose 20. (laughs) And then if you get 10, great. No, it's the other way around. If you want 10, shoot for five, and then you'll fall back and say, okay, I did five, and then you move forward with that confidence to do another five and another five. We we kind of bite off more than we can chew, in other words. So lower your expectations, but then laser focus on them. Oh, I think that is so, so helpful, especially now, given the situation that we've all been through in the last year and change with the global pandemic. Grace is so important. And knowing that if you don't check everything off your to-do list, That's okay. We are only human. We are not machines. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's been on my mind the most over this last season, this last long season, if you will. And again, that applies to all seasons, really. So, Mm -hmm. Eric, could you recommend me a productivity book that you've read recently that you think is great? That's an interesting question. Let me see. (laughs) Oh, I know. It was a few months ago I talked with Todd Henry. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Motivation Code. Discover the hidden forces that drive your best work. And essentially, you take an assessment, you go through these 27 different motivational themes that we all have like a unique DNA makeup of what 
motivates us to do our best work. Mm -hmm. And so by having that awareness of those inner drivers that help us to do the work that we love and do it better uh, by tapping into those, you can then. I guess tap into that momentum. It's mm-hmm, a great mm-hmm. book. Todd Henry's always awesome. So again, the motivation code. Cool. Thank you. I will look into that. You know, it, it really strikes me that a theme that keeps bubbling up through this conversation is is self-knowledge. And it doesn't seem like productivity is a thing that we can really achieve unless we have self-knowledge. What we what we really need to focus on, what really helps us focus and motivates us. Um how did you figure out what, what it was for you? Oh, definitely trial and error. Like, I, I think for me, it's always like, well, how can I get out of my own way? What am I doing wrong here? You know? And so for me, it's almost counseling as I talk to my guests to say, okay, well, here's what happens when I screw this up. You know, I word it different, obviously, <laughs> but I, or, or play devil's advocate and say, well, what if this is the way things go? And they're like, well, you know, so, I mean, that that is very much the key to the show in a lot of ways is self-discovery. And hopefully the audience gets to play that part as well as the the person that's getting counseled in, in productivity as as we go through those conversations. Yeah, again, it's like that answer about, well, what if you get conflicting productivity advice? Well, it's not conflicting so much as it is two or three different people's perspective, and there's going to be some overlap, but it's really about where it's going to best suit you. So try them all out and see which one works best mm. for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. That sounds reasonable and doable. All right. Eric Fisher, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really nice to talk. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Welcome to the bookend, where we end with books. Naps. <laughs> I love that we heard about naps today. I know. Um, my favorite part about this was when Eric talked about seasons, though, because I'd never really thought about productivity in seasons that way. Although I guess that sort of unconsciously we might work that way. But when I really thought about it that way, I thought, yeah, actually, you know, in the wintertime when it's darker, I'm definitely more sluggish. I just do fewer things. And that's okay. I have some really bountiful seasons of doing stuff. And then I have some seasons where I scale it back. And I think that that's pretty healthy, actually. Yeah. And that's also self-awareness. You know yourself. You know when you're when you're feeling it, then you dive in and you take more on, right? But when you're not, then you say, hey, you know what? It's just not going to happen this week. It's not worth it. I can hit my head against this wall, but yeah. Yeah. What I think is interesting is a sort of, you know, you mentioned in the interview how productivity has changed over the last 10 years or so. And how at one point it was a feeling of how can I do more in the time I have? And that it seems to have changed by these kind of hippie productivity gurus like David Allen. Their word has spread through the productivity space as no, the point of productivity is to choose what you do so that you have time for the stuff you love, right? And to me, it feels like some kind of humility or something, right? I can't do everything. I am just one person. So I will focus on the priorities and do those the best way I can. And productivity is not how can I produce the most stuff inside of the time I have, but it's how can I be productive, like more of a creative task? How can I create at the highest quality? I totally agree with you that it's it's changed. Yeah. You know, we see people like Cal Newport also just changing their entire philosophy, like do more, be smarter to 
question your processes. Yeah. Really think about every single minute you're spending. Are you doing it the best way to be creative? Yeah. What just struck me when you said that was that the way we think about productivity has changed in some ways from a noun to a verb. Before it was about right. like output countable items that you've achieved in one day, how much you can say you actually did, whereas now productivity is more of, like you just said, exploring a process and testing that process, which I think is is different. It's not just charging along, doing it one way because that's the way it's always been done or it's what you've seen your parents do, but saying, is this right for me? Is this what helps me get my best work done? Yeah. And I think you hear that with Eric Fisher. He's not about fitting in. You know, it's really, how can I get the best out of this? Even when he's like, I get on the exercise bike and sometimes I just sit there and watch TV, but it's like, okay, I got on the exercise bike. Yeah. This to me is, I think the key to productivity, it's not thrive, succeed, destroy, triumph, be victorious, but sometimes it's just do the best you can with the tools you have and the energy you have, which is all limited. It's not, you know, overemphasize productivity at the expense of the actual work. Yes. Or the actual human who's doing the work. Or the human who's doing the work. Yeah. That's right. Cool. So should we talk about books? Yeah, let's talk about books. So I mentioned in this interview a book by Nir Eyal called Indistractable. I just got it and I'm really loving it. Also, listen to that shortcast episode in the Blinkist app when we give you the free the free code at the end. It is so cool. Learning that that everything we do is to avoid pain was like I guess it was something that I sort of knew instinctively, but then it was life changing. So when I find myself dragging my heels about something, I ask what kind of pain does this cause me and why am I avoiding it? Yeah. Anyway, the Near AL book, Indistractable, really great. Ben, do you have uh, some books or a book? I mean, I'm into Cal Newport's moment right now. He's having another moment. He seems to have one every five years or so. His new book is A World Without Email. The work before that, that this is sort of responding to is deep work. And I think all of these connect to his idea of digital minimalism. He's saying basically, hold me to this, right? Mm-hmm. In the next five to 10 years, someone is going to figure out a way to get Slack and email and all this digital communication and all of this, what he calls the interactive hive mind, under control. And that's going to be the moonshot. That's going to be the thing that unlocks this next stage of industry and work for knowledge workers. So whether it's figuring out how to use these products, you know, email, all this stuff, it's like 30 years old, maximum. It took that long for Ford to figure out his production machines also. Mm. You know, it's not strange in the history of technology that new processes are introduced and it takes decades, a generation to figure out how to actually use it. Yeah. But Slack was not the answer. We know that now. We know that Slack makes us less productive now. We know that email is not the best way to communicate. So someone's got to come up with a way to do this, you know? Yeah. And I hope that it's people with the perspective of Eric Fisher who are saying, right, think of the person, take naps. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Do you have another book, a third book? Yeah. Speaking of Eric Fisher, and then let's get out of here. Um, Eric Fisher has a book that he wrote with Jim Woods. It's called Ready, Aim, Fire, A Practical Guide to Setting and Achieving Goals. And it's a guide to, you know, setting and achieving your personal professional goals if you want to accomplish more in life, but you don't know where to begin. This is a really accessible starting point for the art of turning dreams into realities. So yeah, that's Eric's book. It's called Ready, Aim, Fire, A Practical Guide to Setting and Achieving Goals. He wrote it with Jim Woods. Yeah. All right. That's it for today. Simplify was produced by me, Caitlin Schiller, Ben Schumann-Stoller, and Marta Medvisek. That's right. And we have two requests for you. One, if you like it, 
If you like this episode, just share it with somebody. Someone maybe who you know loves productivity, one of these productivity nerds who reads blogs about it. Maybe they have some opinions, some ideas. Or maybe somebody who you think could really benefit from it. You want to say, hey, look, no judgment. Uh, take more naps. Try a nappuccino. And check out some other tips on productivity and some books to read from this podcast I like called Simplify. And second thing, leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you think of Simplify there. Give us a rating if you can. You know how it goes. Spreads the word. We appreciate that. And also, in case you didn't know, Simplify was brought to you by Blinkist, which is where Ben and I work. It's an app, but you can also find us on the web and Android or an iOS store. We take the key insights from the world's best nonfiction books and distill them into little capsules that you can read or listen to in 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and as we already mentioned today, we now have shortcasts. And you can hear the Beyond the To-Do List shortcast with Eric. Yeah, you can. Uh, and if you've never used Blinkist before, just go to Blinkist.com slash Simplify. We made a little voucher code for you. So go to Blinkist.com slash Simplify, tap on Try Blinkist. It's in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code to-do list. That's all one word, no spaces, to-do list, and you'll get 14 free days of Blinkist. That's right. That's it for today. So we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter uh, at Caitlin Schiller, at Bisto, B-S-T-O, or just email all of us. We're at podcast at Blinkist.com. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. Check it out. Indeed. Check it out. <laughs>